Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is a carrier-centric TMS with my friend Nick Darman. Nick is the CEO and founder of a company called Elvis, a transformative TMS for carrier, broker, and hybrid operations. Elvis, spelled A-L-V-Y-S, kind of like Elvis, streamlines dispatch, carrier onboarding, truck driver management, billing, compliance, reporting, and so much more. Nick has a very interesting story, and he and his team have created a truly carrier-centric TMS. So please take a listen. But before we get to the interview, I want to tell you about my friends over at Tusk Logistics. That's T-U-S-K logistics.com. Tusk Logistics is a national small parcel network made up of the very best regional small parcel carriers. Tusk delivers reliable service, predictable pricing, and proactive support at lower costs, sometimes up to 40% less than the big guys, UPS and FedEx. Implementation is easy, and the Tusk team is absolutely obsessed with customer service and putting the shipper first. Check them out at tusklogistics.com and click the get started button. I will put a link in the show notes so you can reach out and talk to my friends over at Tusk Logistics. So how's it going, Nick Darman? Very good. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Nick, please introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today. I'm calling from San Diego. I'm Nick Darman, founder and CEO of Alibis. And Alibis is a middle mile logistics operating system. And in this logistics space, there's three main players, shippers, freight brokers, and carriers. Our main focus is the carrier market. Very nice. Now, I take it you still work with the other guys, the shippers, and the brokers? Absolutely. <laughs> there's no other way around. Yes. The name of the company is Elvis, A-L-V-Y-S. What's the significance of that name? It was one day I was actually uh, searching uh, for a good name to name this TMS. And I stumbled upon Alvis. Apparently, Alvis means acting wisely. So I wanted the system to act wisely for all the users that are using Alvis. And that's the reason why I came up with it. Very nice. Very nice. When did you start the company? 2020. Very nice. Very nice. You didn't know about the pandemic, did you? <laughs> Yeah, it was a big surprise, but it worked out very well for us. It's not a bad time to start because everybody was all of a sudden saying, we need to get better. We need to get more efficient and more effective. Tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started ALVS, Elvis, A-L-B-Y-S. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't born in the U.S. I was born in Moldova. Came to the U.S. at age 15 in 1996. Originally, we immigrated to Philadelphia. And Philadelphia was an interesting city for me because, first of all, I didn't speak a word in English when I came. Um, no. And I had to, yeah, yeah, I had to survive the Philadelphia culture in high school. Imagine that. No matter what I did, I was always at fault because I couldn't even explain it properly. Then I decided to move to the South. We moved to, to Atlanta. That's where I enrolled at Georgia State. I was studying for economics 
And during that time, I noticed my dad was driving a truck. He was putting in long hours. And I wanted to help him financially. And I told him, look, dad, if you're able to buy a truck, I'll start a trucking company. You're going to lease onto my trucking company. I'll be able to dispatch you as an owner operator. And you're going to be able to make a lot more money. And that's how I wanted to help my dad. And that's exactly what happened. I was dispatching my dad while at Georgia State. And shortly after, a few other owner operators joined me. And I was doing that until I graduated from Georgia State. When I graduated, I wanted to, I always wanted to work at one of the banks on Wall Street. And I took a job working for JP Morgan as an investment banker. I did that for a few years. That's when I realized uh, I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And I started another trucking company. But this time around, I already had a lot of accounting experience. I also understood how all the systems interact. And I wanted to do something better, right? So to, to actually create a very efficient trucking operation. To my surprise, it was already 2012 and people were still using pen and paper. Everything was so archaic. I tried to move from one TMS to another TMS to manage my operations. Not, nothing really worked out. Maybe one platform was good in accounting, another one was good in dispatching. But I needed both, for example. And that's how I decided to build my own proprietary technology. So I formed a tech team that was 2017. I was building my own tech for my own base freight brokerage. Within about three years, I shared this technology with my friends who also had 100, 200 units in their fleet. And they were surprised what I built and they wanted me to actually share this technology with them, which is when I knew if I do that, I'll be in a lot of trouble. Our developers were already doing so much and they were putting out so many fires. And it was already difficult to build for just one entity, for one company, let alone become a multi-tenant operating system. And that's when I knew in my heart, I knew I needed to find someone who knows how to build world-class technology. And so I went out to look for the right CTO. And by uh, way of introduction, there's the, that's another story, but I met Leo Gordinsky, who was the first engineer at Jet.com. And he was oh, actually wow. the mastermind, yeah, building from, from the beginning. And we partner up together. He is the co-founder and CEO of Alvis, and uh, I'm the founder and CEO. That's how Alvis was born. It was in 2020. Very nice. Very nice. Now, listeners, this is why we need immigrants. Most people are like, wait, 15 years old, you're like, I'm going to start a trucking company and dispatching my dad. Most people are like, my kid is playing with his gaming system. <laughs> they are gossiping about girls or girls gossiping about boys. It's a different mindset when you come from a different country and you come to the U.S. I always think that that must be something in the risk taking where you're like, we already took this huge risk. What's one more? <laughs> Absolutely. And, it, yeah. You just, you don't give up. You don't give up. You just move forward. Yep. Do you ever get back to Moldova? Yeah. I went back to Moldova for the first time in 26 years. That was a few years back. I think it was 2021. And I was actually surprised to find out how much Moldovan culture has changed. Because I remember it uh, 
being a bit different when I left in 1996. But because of all, all the good things Moldova had to offer, and there was a lot of good talent, and I was and during the pandemic, it was difficult to hire engineers. I decided to uh, open another shop, another office there to help expedite the engineering efforts to build this TMS. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, before we hit record, we were talking about Krenar over at Tive, and I know he's done the same thing with people back in, it's not Albania, it's Kosovo, I think he's from, right? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what we realized that probably in the, the lot in the last five, 10 years is how much good talent there is around the world that we can leverage. And we are short. We have a lot of talented people here, but we need even more, especially when it comes to the techies. Absolutely. And, I, and I'll tell you what, it was so difficult to find the right talent during pandemic. It was just almost next to impossible. Everyone was very hard to come by, especially if it's a good engineer. So other sources, it was a good way to diversify and develop this distributed team, so to speak. So pandemic has expedited to make us better at managing distributed teams. Yep. So you're back in Moldova, other than family or food, what do you miss most about Moldova? I miss the culture. Moldova is right there in the middle of every country has always experienced all kinds of wars. It was at the intersection between Turkey as well as Far East and Western Europe. And as a result, we developed this culture that we had to adapt to different cultures and play nicely with everyone. So I missed that uh, aspect of it. Yeah, there's something to be said for all those cultures that had to endure a lot of hassle and they're still enduring hassle with. They're in a dangerous part of the world these days. I wish them all well. Let's switch gears again. And so getting back to Elvis, which sounds like Elvis, but it's not. When we get to Elvis, carrier centric. Yeah, I know you said your dad was a driver and then you started a trucking company. Now, did we were asset based or you brokerage or both? So I started with asset based, then moved uh, into brokerage and it naturally became an asset based freight brokerage. And later on at the end of the my presence at that company, it was just a freight brokerage operation. So you had a sense that carriers were underserved when it came to TMS. So please explain. So in my experience, it's, it takes 10 times more resources to build a proper carrier operating system or carrier centric TMS than it is to build a freight brokerage platform. But it's 10 times more complicated to manage a freight brokerage than it is to manage the operations of the carriers. It's reversed. And the reason it's reversed, I'm just going to name a few things. When, when you're a freight broker, you're dealing with a load and you need to fulfill the load. You need to pick it up and you need to report to the customer. When you're dealing with a carrier, not only that you have to fulfill and do all the activities a freight broker is doing, you also have to tie in your backhand from a trailer standpoint. From a driver standpoint, sometimes there's a team, right? So you need to have all kinds of visibility to be able to manage. Now you're managing assets as well as freight, and you have to combine the two. So the complexity has just multiplied tenfold. That's just, I just don't want to get the, in the details, but that's the, in a nutshell as to why a lot of folks have fallen short to build a proper carrier operating system. It's actually a lot more complex. But when it's more complex, it takes more resources. And when it takes more resources, 
you need to charge a lot more money, but you cannot charge carriers a lot more money because they operate on thin margins. So what's the solution? We go for the scale and still make it accessible for the carrier. So it's attractive for the carrier. And as we reach that critical mass, that's when things are actually going to get easier for everyone in the ecosystem. Yep. And when I think about, this is a big generalization, but there's no other way to do it. When I think of in a trucking company wanting to make investments, I think they're going to invest in assets, trucks, right? Terminals. When I think of freight brokers, they aren't buying trucks, they're buying technology and developing account management teams. And what we've seen over time though, is a lot of carriers saying, we need a brokerage of our own to help us not only better serve our customers, but also to get some backhauls that we, and I know also, I talk to a lot of carriers, they call me and they always say the same thing. I would like just good shipper freight. And what they mean by that is no broker. <laughs> and I think there's a sense, and maybe it's, there's some truth to it in some cases, that we're doing most of the, we're doing the heavy lifting, we're doing the hard work, we're picking it up, we're delivering it. It's our truck, it's our driver, it's a harder project. And you guys got 30% of the money. But I think the brokers could always say, yeah, but you didn't have that business. You don't have a sales team usually, or bigger, big sales team. So we're your sales team, we're your technology people. But again, I think a lot of carriers are saying, okay, if I can get a nice TMS like Elvis, do I need to have brokers? Sure, but I'm not as dependent because I have my own technology now. And I'm saying that's a good point you're bringing. And, and by the way, just a side note, I don't think brokers will ever go away. Knowing what I know today, managing a freight brokerage at scale, a broker has its place for especially for large shippers. So brokers are here to stay. When it comes to smaller brokers, those that don't have the scale, that's a different story. And I don't even want to comment on that. But majority of the money or majority of the dollars that are spent by shippers, it goes directly to carriers. So it's a bit of a myth that most of the money flows through brokers. In reality, a majority of the money flows directly to carriers. So what you're seeing, I call that a spot market. It's the freight that brokers really get from shippers. Sometimes that's a random freight. And that's what brokers are good at. They are good at finding capacity last minute. And that's why brokers do have a specific place in this entire logistics ecosystem. So that said, what I noticed uh, as a carrier, when I had more freight from a customer and a customer didn't mind me brokering the, the, the load out, I wish I had a TMS back in the days that will combine the two operations in one, where I have a unified dashboard, where I could make strategic decisions, whether it's going on my own truck, where I should actually broker out this load. So you need to be able to manage those two PNLs simultaneously and figure out how to, what's the best for both, not just for one. And that's exactly what we build. We have this hybrid component in our platform that I don't think anyone else has it in the market. I love that. 
I want to take a quick time out to tell you, you can now listen to the logistics of logistics on Wreaths Across America Radio. I'll put a link in the show notes. Wreaths Across America provides informational, inspiring content about members of the U.S. Armed Forces, their families, and military veterans. Their mission is to remember, honor, and teach. Wreaths Across America succeeds because of the generous support of the trucking community. Take a listen and please consider volunteering. So I will say when I was still, I was at a a third-party logistics company, we ran across a company that had some of their own assets, but they needed help with less than truckload. And we were there. And they were saying, we can do it with our own truck. And I said, how do you price that? I, I didn't know. I was asking just to understand. And they say, that's one of our challenges. We don't know when the market's cheaper or our truck is cheaper. We, we want to use our assets in the most efficient way, in the most effective way. And I remember we did never get the project, but we did work with them trying to understand, you got to start figuring out what it costs to run your vehicle. Last week, I had Joe Chandler on the podcast from SPI Logistics, their large freight broker. And one of the things we talked about is how a lot of carriers right now don't fully understand their cost, especially the smaller ones. And the, and so they're running their vehicles below cost. And then we find brokers, especially the small ones, don't understand their costs completely. And so what happens if somebody says, yeah, I'm going to move Nick's load and I found a carrier that's real cheap and I'm not making as much money. If we don't understand our costs, we start losing money and we think we're okay. And I think that happens to a lot of smaller carriers. So I think technology is going to be one of the things that helps us better run our businesses. Because no, this is horrible for the industry that there's boom and bust cycles. And I think part of that is we have people who enter the market when the rates are high, supply and demand, and then they stumble out of the business when times are bad, like now. And hopefully... I think we're starting to see an uptick again, but we got to get away from those big booms and bust cycles. Absolutely. And that's a good point you're bringing here. When it comes to carriers and freight brokers, having the right visibility and understanding their costs at all time is actually super important. I was actually very surprised to find out that a lot of the folks who operate these businesses, they have no idea what's it costing them. They have this vision that their accounting has to be based on cash, right? This cash-based accounting instead of accrual. In order for you to assess properly how your business is doing, you really need to be on accrual base. So a lot of these folks, they don't even understand how to set up accounting properly, let alone around the operations. And by the way, they're very smart people, but it takes so much time to manage and dispatch drivers, figure out what's the best freight. Then they have to go and fix the truck. Then they have to pay the drivers and they make a lot of unintentional mistakes and they pay the driver the wrong amount. The driver gets mad and all of a sudden he doesn't want to work for, for this company anymore. And honestly, the owner was just so tired. That's why he made that mistake. Now the driver is looking for another job, right? And again, you're dealing with losing drivers for things that you could have actually saved. You could have actually do it so much faster with just one click if you had the right technology. And this takes me to another point, which is very interesting. Why is it that a lot of folks try to build 
different key MSs. And a lot of folks are struggling to build what we actually need in the industry. So in order to build the proper KMS, you really need to figure out how to build all the databases. And I call this a system of records. For example, spreadsheet is a system of record. You input all the data and you make that data work for you. Except that in the spreadsheets, you constantly have to manually update the spreadsheet to make sure that things uh, work okay. That's okay if you're in one man operation. However, if you have a team, that's a little bit more complex because chances are very high, people are not going to update the spreadsheet on time. So you need something, you need a system that will automate all the processes. So most of the platforms, they build these, I call this system of record. It's like a glorified spreadsheet. And now they need to go in the concept of workflow centric platform, right? A system of workflow. And that's where a lot of people fall short. And it's not by accident. I actually thought the same thing when I started to build my own proprietary technology. I thought I would be much better building my own tech for my own company. Within two years, I figure out everyone is putting out so many fires. The bigger the platform gets, the more complicated it gets. And there's a lot of bugs, a lot of glitches. That's why I knew I needed someone who knows how to build the Silicon Valley strategy, right? Who knows how to build these technology that has a principled, a principled approach to engineers, to engineering. So on one spectrum, you have people like myself, very passionate, who understand the industry, and we think we're going to be able to get these developers build exactly what we need, but we fall short. On the other spectrum, you have Silicon Valley folks who are trying to understand why is there a missing gap? We're going to be able to figure out. It's pretty simple, but they have no idea what's happening on the front line. And that's why, so, but to combine the two forces is very difficult to come by. And that's exactly what happened at Alvis. I call this a miracle. You have people like myself who, who's actually been on the front line in every aspect from a small operations to mid-sized operation to large operation. And then you have someone like Leo Gorodinsky, our, our CTO who knows how to build industrial grade platform. And that's wanted to share a little bit about that. I would also say when you say industrial grade platform, I will suggest it's consumer grade also. And what I mean by that is you mentioned earlier on in 2012, when you were looking around for software, you didn't like what you saw. I was still at a 3PL at that time. And I remember we used a whole bunch of different TMS and I was blown away by the poor interface of a lot of them. We ultimately found one and boy, when you see a nice interface, it's compared to the others, but now all of us are using consumer technology, the, whether it's Amazon or eBay or Domino's app, Lyft, Uber, all those things that we have on our phone, we know what's possible and we can't get that out of our mind when we go to work. So we don't say, oh yeah, at work I get crap software, at home I get consumer grade. So I know your software has that good interface and has that consumer grade interface that you go, yes, this is what I'm supposed to have. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's very important. And, and then the interface has to change with scale. For example, you have a very beautiful UI. If you have a small operations, it's easy to build that. But how do you do it when you have to move thousands of loads a day? All of a sudden, you, that beautiful UI no longer works. 
Now you need to make that boring spreadsheet look somewhat more sexy, so to speak, but it's very difficult to do. There's no way the UI that looks very pretty will work for scalable operations. And I already know this firsthand. So we have to adapt different workloads, different UIs for different personas all the time. That's what we do in our platform. Yeah, let's talk about those different personas. So I know you we were called the podcast today, Carrier Centric TMS. So you have a TMS that is built for carriers, but it's also, so that's one of the personas, but it's also, do shippers buy your TMS also? Yeah, we have some shippers, but we usually stay quiet about it. We don't really want to talk about it uh, for now. I say it's mostly a freight brokerage and carrier, specifically carrier centric. And do you, so are brokers using it too? Yes. So you have two different personas, so they want different things, but how do you manage those two personas and those two interfaces? So it looks, so the, the broker gets what he needs and the uh, carrier gets what he needs and the accountants get what they need. You have to start from, from the back end properly. For example, we started building everything from a shipment or from a load. Everyone touches the load. A shipper touches the load. A freight broker touches the same load, and so does the carrier. But they all need different things, and they need a different UI, different workflow to fulfill that load. And that's exactly what we do. We set up different entities. For example, when you sign up with Alvis, you are creating a subsidiary that's called a carrier, then a subsidiary that's called a broker, and the other subsidiary could be called a shipper. And the system knows when you are giving a load to your own driver, that means it's a carrier subsidiary. Therefore, we're going to give you a UI and workflow that's carrier centric and vice versa. And that's exactly what we did. So we, and then when you want to take that carrier or that driver off, that load goes back into open status. And again, it's starting from the beginning. So we wait from the open status of the load. What happens next, depending on your decision, is the type of UI and workflow we're going to give you. That's basically, so you really need to start from the way you build architecturally to be able to do that. Got it. Got it. Let's talk about a case study. I, I know you don't have to mention names, so tell us about uh, a success story that you guys have had with uh, one of your customers. So it's very interesting when people ask me, so are you for a small size carrier, a mid-size, a large, what's really good? Who, who is your target audience? And I'll, my answer is always, so hold on a second. If I tell you I focus on a small carrier, what happens when the carrier outgrows? <laughs> yes, exactly. I have to make sure that I keep them small in order to keep the customers. Yeah. I recognize that early enough and I understood. No. Yes, we do have small operations, we're focusing on small carriers, but at the same time, we're going to help you because it requires different workflows, different processes to go from small to mid-size to enterprise. So we help you along the way. So our vision, our whole goal is to actually help you grow your business, but not outgrow our platform, right? So that's one of the core visions and missions that we have. Right? Alvis. So one of the, so let's start from, cause we, we talked a little bit about the, the smaller operations, but what I want to talk about is how the enterprise folks benefit from us. We know when you're already an enterprise uh, carrier or freight broker, you deal with a lot of shippers and a lot of shippers, they tend to the lowest through EDI. 
And come to find out this entire industry has third-party EDI providers that different TMSs plug into those EDI providers and that they, the, the EDI providers send the messages back to shippers and vice versa. We noticed there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of delays and I could just go on so many different things. But point, the, the point I'm trying to make here, there's a lot of dependencies on third-party providers. And we decided to actually build the EDI component in-house. So what that's giving us, that's giving us the ability to manage the scorecard for the shipper at the most efficient way possible. Because the shipper is not, if you're Coca-Cola, guess what? They, they, may, they may not know that your truck was there on time, right? Maybe your, your truck got stuck uh, for 30 minutes at the gate. They don't know that. What they know is how you manage your scorecard. So what a lot of folks learn, especially when they have the scale, they learn how to manage the scorecard, the way they send all these messages to make sure they actually win a better RFP next time around. So what our system does for enterprise clients, we're going to help because we don't have dependency. We know exactly what happens. We have the source of truth. We're going to help you the enterprise customer to manage the scorecard much better so that on the next RFP, you have a higher chance to get better freight. That's how we help the enterprise folks. We get rid of all the uh, dependencies. Now, you ask me, why do, I, why do we not build an ELD? Because there's a lot of great ELD providers. There's no point to build an ELD. So any component in the supply chain that's suffering and is not doing well, we're going to build it in-house. But if there's other folks who are building great visibility platforms, ELD platforms, there's no point to build that from scratch. You could integrate. It's all about, it's all about making sure that end-to-end are covered. And that's exactly how we help our customers. So I just touched the enterprise customer. I could talk about mid-size and small size as well. I want to take a quick time out to tell you about my friends over at Greenscreens. That's greenscreens.ai. Green Screens is a dynamic pricing technology for the truckload spot market that delivers buy and sell side market intelligence to help brokers and 3PLs grow and protect their margins. Freight brokers and 3PLs using Green Screens gain the following advantages. Faster pricing for both buy side and sell side transactions. Pricing that is more accurate and more likely to win profitable business. Guys, dynamic pricing is the next killer app. Hundreds of freight brokers are already using it because it enables them to develop faster, more accurate quotes. This is the time. Check out Green Screens in the show notes, greenscreens.ai. Getting back to it, you brought up the ELD. And so we do want those integrations these days. So I know right now we have lots of problems with fraud and double brokering in this space. And I know a lot of companies are using like highway or carrier or sure, some of those those all integrate easily into your system, I take it? RMIS is integrated. Yeah, correct. Highway is another platform that we're going to be looking to integrate. But we also have an embedded fraud prevention as well. Oh, nice. Interesting what we built. We basically developed this uh, platform where we send the code to the phone number and email automatically. It's like a bank, right? We send that code to that email. And unless the carrier has access to that email or phone number, you're not going to know where the code is. 
So on, on top of the fact that you're getting the code, you're also going to enter that code. And when you enter that code, we're going to be able to retrieve where you're coming from, what uh, computer you used, basically the IP address, right? So that's another red flag. If we see something I, I love it, off, and I think the carrier is located in Atlanta, but someone is putting this code from, I don't know, South America or Europe. Okay. That's a red flag. Let's flag this to make sure there's extra due diligence, especially for the smaller uh, brokerage uh, operations. And so uh, we help the broker to make sure by uh, automating this in the back end, but at the same time, we help the carrier because when we red flag someone, the broker is going to call that carrier and find out over the phone, hey, did you actually book this loan? And that's going to give the carrier an idea of someone has probably hacked into my system, so I need to block all of my email, right? So that's another cool feature that we have uh, to prevent fraud. Brokers, smaller brokers can go out of business with some of this fraud. That's, it's a life and death thing for those companies. And by the way, after a while, if you get that reputation as, hey, we got defrauded, who wants to work with somebody thinking, yeah, I don't want to take that risk. I can't afford to take a risk with that carrier or that broker. We all need that. And by the way, getting back to just the integrations in general, I think what I like about when I talk to people who have the transportation management systems that are newer, the advantage is they're built with the idea that there are all sorts of other applications that need to connect. And in the past, we've had the older systems, and I know the older systems are now putting integration layers in, but we had these long, long implementations and integrations that would cost a ton of money and more importantly, cost a ton of time. And we can't afford that anymore. No one will tolerate it because we know what we can do better now. Absolutely. We, we definitely live in a world of connectivity. So our platform where the platform has really, it has to operate flawlessly connecting with other platforms. So while you're putting or you're getting data from somewhere else, you're using that data for your own operations. When you spit that data out, it also has to make sense for the next platform. So this is where, do you see what I'm saying? It's like you have to be able to take it in properly, but you also have to share it properly. The entire ecosystem, the entire supply chain benefits. And that's what I believe a lot of the platforms have to do. You have to think, you have to think to properly take the data, interpret it for your own operations, but then you also need to be nice to the outside world. Your data is very valuable for the next handoffs, right? And that's exactly what we have in mind when we build our platform. Yeah. So the next killer app that comes out, and we know there's going to be another one, we don't know what it is, but you know <laughs> that you have to be able to integrate it into your system and be able to share that data, whether it, we saw visibility become super important during the pandemic with Project 44, MacroPoint, missing some, but we saw that and it was super important and we needed to do that. Now we're seeing again, Highway and some of these other integrations. Maybe, maybe they'll be satisfied with what you have, but maybe there's some that say, I need other apps. You don't care. What's interesting when I was using a transportation management system 10 years ago, there was no integrations to it. Every integration was like a huge project and 
with an unknown, <laughs> unknown. Now it's turn it on. And God knows what apps are going to be built in the next 18 months that you guys are say, we got it. We're going to integrate with that one. Yeah, but to, to that end, that's exactly what we built. So if we integrate with, let's say, factoring companies, by the way, we integrate with many factoring companies for to help the carriers manage their cash flow much easier. So it's a seamless transaction from our platform. You literally just, with a click of a button, you can upload 10 different invoices and the factoring company gets it. And every time the factoring company is sending you back the report with what was paid, any discrepancy, in other words, any load that got short paid or overpaid, we'll put it in a discrepancy dashboard in Alvis. Otherwise, it's, it's going to reconcile and complete the load for you. So there's a lot of automation on the back end. We save so much time from that perspective. But what I'm trying to say, the factoring companies, if we were to build every factoring company separately, that's a lot of resource. That's a waste. You really need to build the plumbing for factoring integration, plumbing for ELDs, plumbing for EDI, right? All of those things have to be properly built. But to build this plumbing, apparently, it takes a lot of resources. I didn't know that back then. Now I know how much money was spent. I'm like, wow, this is just a different level of architecture. And then that's another reason why. I recommend going forward in this logistics space. It's very important to partner up with folks who know how to build technology, but the folks that know how to build technology, they should not take our industry for granted because it's so nuanced. The front line is so different than what you think and what you imagine, right? And therefore, in order to make something that actually works from a technology standpoint in our space, the two forces have to combine together. We have to work closely together. Yep. And I think what we've learned, especially post-pandemic, when the money came out of this industry, what we've learned is you have to be able to be really efficient. This is a low margin business for the carriers, oftentimes also for the brokers. We, If you don't use the technology to become more efficient, you're not going to be around because there are companies that are using technology to get faster, better, cheaper. And I think you're going to see certain companies say, yeah, our transaction costs went way down. And I think I agree with you. We're always going to have brokers around, but I think you'll see a broker managing 10 times as many transactions in a week because he's using or she's using technology. And I think that's the new reality. The freight brokers who aren't going to be around in the future are going to be the ones that weren't using the technology. And I would even say the carriers that are going to be most successful are going to have good technology also because they're going to understand their operations better. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just to finish that up, obviously what we're trying to do, we're trying to help the small, mid-size, and even enterprise level the playing field. You, if you want to compete with the Amazon of the world, you need the right technology. There's no if and buts, you, you really need to adapt proper technology. Now, when it comes to, so, so I talked a little bit about system of records, which is what we did for many years. Then we have transformed and, and are transforming and transforming this technology into a system of workflows. But the next thing, and that's really the exciting thing for us, going to be the next chapter of Alvis, is AI driven. 
platform because you cannot, what, what's interesting, people try to do AI cool things at the beginning without proper records, without proper workflows. It just never works. What we're doing, we're, we've created a system of records, then system of workflows, and only then we're going to wrap up with machine learning and AI. So stay tuned. It's going to be very interesting to see what Alvis will bring next. Yeah, but I talk to people about AI all the time, and it seems like we're just starting to understand what is hype, what is reality. I've, I'm also used, I talk to a lot of marketers, and it's interesting because I know some of them say, we're writing twice as many pieces of content. And I, I always think, well, yeah, as long as it's good, I know it needs editing, but yeah, it's so we'll know more. If somebody's listening to this five years from now, hopefully the future will know a lot more. So if somebody wants to use Elvis, how long does it take them to integrate it? How, how long, what's the process for buying this and getting it going and from start to finish, how long till they're running with your system? So we've had small companies could actually do things within two or three days, enterprise level. And I'm talking about a hundred or 200 truck operations or a $50 million brokerage. If they work with us, it's going to be a week. And we're talking about wow. all the integrations. We're talking about, we have integration with QuickBooks, with Microsoft Dynamics. We have all kinds of integrations. We're dealing with fuel cards. We just plug in the entire operations for you. You'll never ask the question, where did my truck fuel? You'll never have to think about filing your IFTA understanding and reconciling the fuel versus how many miles the truck has been traveling in every state. All of that thing, all of those things will be combined, integrated, and it's going to be done for you in Alvis. So that's, so expect about two weeks. Now there's other enterprise folks who are very large that have signed on. They want certain features built. That's more of a custom situation. That could take two, three months, depending on the I think they understand that, but that's really quick. And I think I've heard people, I talk to technologists on the podcast, but also offline, a lot of them say now, especially with software as a service, which is normally very affordable, the challenge becomes convincing people they have the time to do it. Everybody wants to use the cool new technology, but they go, oh my God, I don't know that I can endure a technology project right now. I'm busy. I'm, I'm swamped. How do I do this? But this is the solution to a lot of the reason they're swamped. Yeah, I was on that side of the equation. I know what it's like to change technologies and I've changed different TMSs. I know the pain. I know, I know all about data migration and trust me, that's exactly what I wanted to make sure when the customers are on board onto Alvis, they're not going to experience that pain. I love it. I love it. So what I'll do, I'll put some, I'll put a link to your LinkedIn profile. I'll put a link to uh, Alvis website and any other links Ava gives me, I will put in the show notes. I like to interview smart, interesting people like you who are killing it in the space. Who else should I interview? I think you should talk to Prenar from Tithe. That's a great company there. I would love to. I have not talked to him in a minute. Yeah, it is a great company. So tell us your deal with Tithe. Other than the fact that I was impressed with their growth and they're actually doing something that's very special. They're going to guarantee 
the visibility because of all the devices they place in the trailer. So that's a different way of tracking the load. And then obviously they wrap everything up with their technology. I love what they're doing. They make, so we all talk about visibility, which we all, and, I, and I've had Krenar on the podcast before, but uh, I'd love to have him again. I say, when we talk about visibility, there's a spectrum. On one end of the spectrum is, oh yeah, we have visibility. 10 years ago, we said we have visibility. It was EDI driven. <laughs> and when I said real time, it was real time-ish, right? Yeah. Then we have MacroPoint and Project 44. Those are all great tools. But we also have, and I would say on the very far end, the internet of things, the, the sensors like Tive, they'll tell you exactly where it is because they have an actual sensor on the product. And if it's a life and death shipment, organ transplant or vaccines or medicine, I want that level of ship, that, that level of visibility. And I also think this is fascinating. Krenar was telling me, if you bought a server, let's say I bought a very expensive server and it's coming from Asia all the way to the US, they put a sensor on there. It'll tell you the humidity. It'll tell you whether it was dropped. It will tell you the heat not only the visibility of where it's at, but what's its condition. And if for whatever reason it was damaged while in Asia, maybe it was dropped off a shelf or something, I want to know then to get a new one. Don't find out when it hits LA, right? Absolutely. You, you need to manage exceptions. That's important. And what the next level obviously is to take that data because how do you know out of thousands of your shipments, something is not working properly? How do you notify people on time? It's, it's those exceptions that are super important. And that's what the Tive is doing that's different. I also believe things are relatively more expensive than other visibility platform. What I believe that in the future, the internet of things will become a lot cheaper and it's going to be accessible for everyone. And it's going to be a new world of tracking, tracing and having the proper type of visibility. And it's the technology that's going to be at the epicenter to connect all the internet of things. Yeah. And I think about this all the time is right now, we have people entering information into systems like Alvis, which is great. It's what they're for. But if I'm a shipper and you're my carrier and I say you were late, you say, oh no, I, you, you could, if you could go into the system and change when it arrived, that's a problem. And I think we'll get to a place where you say the sensor said it arrived at this time. It's objective. Absolutely. The yeah. sensor doesn't care whether you're the shipper, the carrier, or broker. And so I think we're going to get to a place where the technologists say we are providing the source of truth and an objective truth, not, not adjusted truth. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an, an important element. And I think at that point, everyone is going to be a lot more efficient. And when everyone is a lot more efficient, the whole world wins. Yep. I'll put all those links in so people can reach out and talk to you. Before we hit record, we were talking about, we had Ava, your marketing person, marketing lead on the podcast. And we were talking about all the conferences you guys will be at. So I wrote down, you'll be at TIA. That's in like October. You'll be a CSCMP, ATA, DAT. I forgot what, but basically I know you'll be at Manifest. You're going to be basically at all the conferences. So if someone who wants to reach out and talk to someone from Elvis, you will see them on the conference tour. That's right. 
reach out. We're very easily found. We're all over. We're here to stay. <laughs> uh, but the vision I really want to, at the end of the day, I feel is the carrier. The carrier is the most important node in supply chain. They're the most overlooked. They have the highest level of inefficiencies. And if we solve the carrier, and, and I'm going to do our part to solve the carrier from the technology standpoint, from the operations efficiency standpoint, when we solve that uh, inefficiency, everyone in the supply chain and logistics ecosystem will benefit. And I will not rest until I know that every carrier is satisfied with their operations. And I welcome competitors are good. If there's someone else that has the same vision, let's just do it together. That's how I see it. There's a lot of trucks out there and a lot of freight out there. So we, I think we've also gotten so much better. I know there's a lot of transportation management systems because I've talked to a lot of the different people, but everybody's taking a slightly different angle, which is important. And I think what we're starting also to see standards develop, which you probably are developing a standard that a lot of people will adapt. You'll probably pick up some other standards that other people have created. So it's the nature of our business and that's why it's getting so much better so fast. So anyway, Nick, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking the time today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.